You are now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual, and you may be saying to yourself, Kevin, why do you sound like you are in a cave right now? It's because I'm not actually in the basement. Um, ironically, so we, we were talking about Nico Case this week and her new album, Hell On, which is fantastic. You should go out and get it. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna work through that and, and convince you if you need some convincing there. But um, that album was born out of the destruction of her her barn by fire uh not an hour after taping this uh the basement uh flooded again i was editing together the father john misty episode that you heard earlier this week and i got up to get some coffee as i often do on a sunday morning and noticed hey the carpet's wet and walked out back opened the basement door and there was a four foot wall of water waiting for me waiting to come inside um, luckily, if you followed us from, uh, from last year, it didn't do too much damage, but right now the basement is in a state of disrepair. So I'm sitting at the kitchen table and, um, and talking to you. So, so that's what's going on. Life. You just keep going, man. Um, but yeah, Nico has an album out. She's, she's an amazing artist. We love Nico Case. Uh, we love her, her friend Kelly Hogan. Um, she is one of our most vital artists today, I think. And so I invited my friend Michael over come down and talk about it and um it, it turned out to be much like the father john misty conversation one of the more surprising conversations for me because just in prepping for this um i realized that i actually really really love this album and uh but you'll hear us talk about that we work through that it's all about working through our feelings man uh so so that's what we're doing and if you stick around uh our friends kingsley flood are back they have a new album out i believe it's out now if not it's coming out friday and uh, I'm going to tell you more about that. I'm going to play a little single. And uh, hopefully you'll hear it. And if you're in D.C., you can come meet me at Pearl Street Warehouse on Saturday and see it. But uh, anyway, that's what we're doing. Uh, so if that seems like your thing right now, if that's what you're in the mood for, let's head on down to the basement. And uh, we're actually going to the basement. Uh, meet my friend Michael. We're talking about Nico Case's fantastic new album, Hell On. Turner Overdrive, got it. <laughs> no matter no what, no matter what, Ass Rock cannot like be hailed. I was just checking. <laughs> I didn't know if we could work Bachman Turner Overdrive, Foreigner, or uh, Survivor Toto. Oh, Toto. Oh, Toto's having its big resurgence. Yet Man, again. there's not even any alcohol involved here. This is fucking sad. It's just coffee. You, you want to listen to Third Stage instead of doing this? No. <laughs> It's okay. Okay, fine. Um, uh, this, uh, what we're referring to, is uh, Nico Case's now, I think, seventh album, Hell On. Now, Nico Case uh, is one of those artists, if you listen to this podcast, you know who she is. If you don't know who she is, I sort of feel sorry for you <laughs> because this is she is, is one of the most uh, fierce and vital artistic forces that we have in the world today. Um she came out uh, on the music space in 1997 with The Virginian and followed up with Furnace, Furnace Room Lullaby uh, with her band. Uh, it was Nico Case and her boyfriends. Mm-hmm. Uh, ditched the boyfriends for Canadian Amp EP in 2001, which is one of my favorite EPs by anybody. Mm. That song, Knock Loud, on there yes. is so... And, and that's been immortalized on her um, her live and uh, Austin City uh, Limits, Austin City Limits yep. thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's... it's it, it's stunning. Uh, but 2002, I think she really uh, changed the game. This is people knew her in the underground or whatever. Yeah. Blacklisted came out. And and this was at a time when uh, indie rock was booming, obviously. Um, and uh, people were like, oh, shit. This 
this person is is here and she means business. Uh, followed that up in 2006 with Fox Confessor Brings the Flood, Middle Cyclone after that, and then 2013, an album we reviewed, uh, The Worst Things Get, The Harder I Fight, The Harder I Fight, The More I Love You. Um, this body of work, and, and I'm interested, and we're going to be talking about this a little bit, but I'm interested in your take, Michael, is some of the weirdest, <laughs> uh, most pure, though, and risk-taking music that I think is out there being made uh in the past two decades i i think it she doesn't um it's not immediately apparent that that's actually what's going on but the the stuff is so there's no radio hits there's no like you you're a fan of nico case because you're just like wow she's talented oh yeah uh and that being the case we almost weren't going to review this album because like all nico case albums like <laughs> you know it's going to be good Right, so so yeah. I mean, when you were reviewing her her you know her uh, albums and and her career trajectory, there were a couple of things that you didn't mention. You didn't mention new pornographers. No, a lot of people yet. come to her music from new pornographers, yes. which ended up being remarkably a commercial success. When mm -hmm. it was sort of a sort of an off you know it was a, a super group of bands that weren't really well known or popular when they first came out with Mass Romantic, and then it ended up becoming a major commercial success so with twin, Cin twin cinema was the one twin really cinema got yeah and, and after it became sort of a long-running career where it was sort of an, intended as a one-off so people come to her, her music after hearing her sing lead on a lot of new pornographer songs and even before you know she came out with the virginian and her first solo albums she'd been in bands in the pacific northwest oh, and yeah. in british columbia yeah and they had sort of an underground reputation she was well connected with a lot of different circles of mm -hmm. american and canadian music from indie rock in you know the olympic peninsula and and uh, olympia college to the vancouver scene and then she was sort of bubbling in a lot of different circles which is why i think her solo records have been so interesting she's was initially recognized for her country chops i mean she's just yeah. a a powerhouse country singer when she wants to be mm -hmm. but then her influences sort of pull from all over the place and that's why these records uh up to and including hell on they're just weird like you said there's all sorts of things that are going on in these records and it just unfailingly highly accomplished really complex and demanding and engaging music and and she's and, just such a persona you sort of have so to pay you know attention what you're gonna expect right so you know well, so it's like what's the use in in reviewing the nico case album because you know it's going to be good you know it's going to be something challenging you know but um and the point that i was getting to actually was that uh, I think this may be her most accomplished work yet. I think I, I, I'm inclined to say, yeah. I mean, I think overall, yes. And I, I really like a lot of records that she's done: Middle Cyclone, Fox Confessor, Blacklisted. Blacklisted would have been my personal favorite previously. Until now, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but this is really, really good, this and is, it's, it's and just, there's a lot of reasons for that that we're going to get yeah. into. There's a lot of reasons for that. But I want to play the first single. This this is featuring uh, her her great friend, mm -hmm. uh, life song partner Kelly Hogan yep and Nora O'Connor um, from mm -hmm. the December so this, this is uh, this is a track of bad luck could have stopped any one of these things but that would have been bad luck are you tired of things going right things going wrong tired of trying
Bad luck. That, that was the first single or second signal off this off this album. Um, pretty significant event happened that I think shaped this and and shaped and maybe is purely the cause of this weirdness. Though she mm-hmm. when she thought about doing this, uh, there's some quotes in here, and she she was on a panel apparently um, of women producers, mm-hmm. and um, she came away from that like this is great, and but why did it take us so long to get here? She is famously railed against the uh the NPR list of separating out uh women like that um I, and and I love that she does that uh you know she's like hey why just you know highlight the the best people mm-hmm. let's not do that but um her reasons are you know there's a quote she said the George Martins and Quincy Joneses of the recording pantheon deserve every drop of praise and every project they've they've received uh, but we can't keep telling the same stories over and over we need more stories more inspiration and more flavors yeah, and I think it's kind of it's it's almost comical from an outside perspective. That's been her career, right? That's like it's been different. Like that's what we were talking about. It's been weird. It's been this is an outside voice. This isn't somebody who's operating necessarily in the pop sphere, but is still getting acclaim and stuff. And so now she's actually realized that and takes ownership of it. That um that track was uh let me see if i can pronounce his name right uh bjorn yitling and peter mm-hmm. bjorn and john yep. she was working on that in finland because you know she was, she has a lot of co-workers and co-writers much yep. like phil cook you know it's just it always helps to have people around to help with the work uh and received a call that her house in vermont her barn in vermont was burning down and that's where she built a studio uh that's where she had uh stored things uh great uh emotional significance and the the fire jumped to her house, mm-hmm. and everything was literally everything was destroyed. Yeah, her, and all her, of a sudden, it's not. It's it was sort of a uh, shit. I gotta start over from scratch. What does this all mean? Um, in typical Nico Case fashion, she came out with said, "Hey, it doesn't mean anything because this was going on around the time of Houston. This was going on around the time of Puerto Rico." Hmm. Uh, and uh, I love, uh, and I'm gonna paraphrase this wrong <laughs> a little bit. The idea that, like, basically, it you know, if somebody if somebody commits arson on your home, yeah, you can be mad. If Mother Nature burns it down, like, that's just how it goes. <laughs> and that's that's sort of a thread that runs through Nico Case's yeah. persona. She's she's written so much about about how Mother Earth and and the nature natural cycles will have their revenge on people for their hubris <laughs> for their yep. destructiveness i mean she did a whole song about how a tornado would run rampage through five counties and and she did sparks never turned your back on mother earth yeah. uh, she that's a thread that runs through her sort of philosophy and her songwriting that is a you know it, it's really notable how she's sort of adopted herself as a voice of nature you know, yeah. she really sings on behalf of nature in a lot of her music, and yeah, there's some of that in this album. And I guess the the philosophical approach to take is that if your home burns down and your possessions are destroyed, but your loved ones survive, you can start over again. And that's what she talked a lot about uh, in the aftermath of this fire in Vermont that her her partner and her partner's child survived, her animals survived, and that was really important to her. Yeah, and the rest of it was just material things. Yeah, yeah, and then and I guess that very very clearly informed this record mm-hmm. because there is a lot of um 
there's a lot of her in this. Yeah. Uh, but you know, she's very famous for saying like, look, I, I'm singing about myself, but it's not necessarily specifically my life. Um, it's about things she's exploring. There's a lot of, uh, she did, was doing a lot of research into the Amazons. Uh, so you get, uh, songs like Halls of Sarah, Last Lion of Albion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and thinking more and more about the place of, of women in the world and her place as a woman, like in the, in the world and what that means anymore. Um, and instead of, trying to couch it in something that would be uh, uh, what I guess we expect from a female singer. She went, th- there's the emotional depths that this album goes to in a lot of places and the abstractions that it hits are unlike anything in her career. And you really have to be like, you're, you're paying attention to the person period and you have to be in and you have to be like, I want to know why you got, why you wrote a song like Last Line of Albion. And I want to know all the references in there, and I have to... And look, that's that's a level of engagement that most artists, uh, they're not going to take that risk, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, there, there's a lot of abstraction in the songwriting, but there's also fair, some fairly direct messages. The closing mm-hmm. uh, line of the opening song, Hell On, has is have mercy on the natural world. Yeah. That's pretty direct. And that's sort of, that's sort of where I am always impressed by Nico Case. Like, she's got... A lot of songs where there's very specific imagery, but it doesn't necessarily cohere into a story that she's telling. And sometimes then there's this clarity of vision that is just very straightforward and 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 grabs you because she's looked at stories where people mistreat one another. She's looked at a lot of stories where people mistreat mm-hmm. the planet and the natural world, and the natural world has its revenge. And she's looked at a lot of stories that are basically personal, but they're couched in these very abstract uh, and symbolic kind of things. So, big symbolism. Symbolism. Like we're looking at the we're looking at the cover album here yeah. on the screen, and there is so much going on in every Nico Case uh, right. piece of album art. And this is just this is just beyond even her normal standard of of wow. She's what is this a crown all represent? Of cigarettes with uh, something burning out of her shoulder. She has a crown of cigarettes. Her her shoulders on fire there's what looks like crude oil running down her uh her chest with spelling out the name of the record hell on yeah there's a lot going on on this <laughs> on this album yeah. cover um you know one of the things that i think isn't really abstract but it is it is raw and honest and i think it, it sort of pulls you out of the album a little bit but in a good way it's a duet she does with uh, mark lanigan and screaming trees on this yep and she has i mean you know she says that this is not like in the past she hasn't done songs about her, but this is explicitly about her. It's very autobiographical. Um, There's a lot of very specific you know, she references. She was in Tacoma, there. Washington, yeah. in in Vancouver. Yep, uh, famously out west, and then f- before finally settling recently, I think in the past ten years in Vermont. Um, but the song is, uh, we'll, we'll just let you hear some of the first lines. But uh, it is so raw and on- like you you come out of it feeling like oh I know this person. And and I uh, like yeah man that was that was a painful time but look we're here so this is uh, Chris the I five quarter the sweet sweet burn of the first drink of the night underage knowing that you're gonna get away with it you were a good man before you knew it. And I'm not vain enough to think that I'd have been good for you if I'd stayed In the current of your life I was an eyelash in the shipping lanes And now I'm so scared about mystery I fear I smell extinction in the folds of this Novocaine age coming on I miss the smell of mystery Reverb leaking out of tavern doors And not knowing how the sounds were made So I left home and faked my ID I fucked every man that I wanted to be I was so stupid then Why should mystery give its life to me? Maybe I'm afraid But it's not your fault Maybe I should go home alone tonight Maybe I'm afraid But it's not your fault Maybe I should go 
first line of that song is, I waited too long to write this down. Mm-hmm. And it, it perfectly describes, I think, her experience. That I think, I think it's, this is accurate. This is, this I, I, is. I think it's highly, it's highly specific. Maybe not every detail, but yeah, there's, this is a lot of autobiography. There's a very specific references in there that are extremely on point. Like the listening to the reverbs creaking out from the, mm-hmm. from the, from the shows and wondering how the sounds were made. I mean, that's, that's a great line. And first drink of the night underage knowing you're going to get away with it yeah i mean mean, so so i'm thinking like olympia washington 1990s um the the indie rock riot girl stuff that was in the air in the pacific northwest at that point and and i don't know if musically nico case ever fit in there but culturally that is the milieu that she's from and that's the idea that people go and make music and they 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 could do it themselves they she her uh her twitter handle which if you're not following nico case on twitter you are missing out (laughs) But her Twitter handle right now is just producer. I produce music. And yeah. it is, that is what she's about. She's making music. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what the opening bit there in that song is wondering how those sounds were made. Yeah. You know, she's, she's fascinated by growing up, embody, you know, your own music, make your own art. And that's very specifically autobiographical, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It, it, and, and it's, and again, back to like, it's funny how she, she's finally like sort of come to terms with this, even though she has been, she, she's been self-producing forever with the help of other people mm-hmm. like she said she has a huge crew of people i mean um and these are these aren't now some of them are newer collaborators but people like katie lang laura sure. beers beth Ditto, robert forster uh joey burns from calexico mm-hmm. doug gilliard of guided by voices matt chamberlain yes matt chamberlain a drummer who's been around for decades yeah and decades sal garden pearl jam like he was the drummer for tori amos on some of her tours yeah uh, but so there's obviously the new pornographers collaborators are Dan Bihar and there's there's Carl Newman is yep. on this record. Uh, so she's got this great crew of friends and and co-conspirators that she appears on their records, mm-hmm. they appear on her records. It's very collegial, and that's very Pacific Northwest 1990s it vibe is. right there too. But at the same time, this is very specifically a a a Nico record mm-hmm. in a way that her others I, I don't think have been. I mean, she that fire. Uh, you know, she rethought how she was going to be making this mm. and said, okay, I have to do all this, like, essentially, quote, myself. If you follow the making of it about, like, the production things, it says producer. And it yep. says, it's like, a lot of them are like, no, motherfucker, I did this. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she's rightfully very uh, aggressively protective of that and, and making sure that that narrative is correct. Um, because people don't think that, you know, historically in music, right. you think you hear somebody like this and you think, Oh, who produced it? It's probably a man. Well, and, and because because she's not an instrumentalist, she is a singer. So the assumption is the singer is in front, yeah. but there's a band that makes the sounds, and there's a producer who makes the, well, the structure she can of the album. Do everything so, she can, yeah. <laughs> but she's known for her singing, and there's right. that predisposition to assume that the woman singer isn't the one who's who's making the production and making the band decisions and the composition and the arrangements. And she really does do those things. One of uh, that is "Curse of the High Five Quarters" is one of my favorite songs on this. Um, but one of your tracks you like was mm-hmm. Gumball Blue. So, so we'll yeah. a little bit about so that. So Gumball Blue is co-written with uh, Carl Newman, AC Newman of the New Pornographers and a long, long time collaborator. And what I liked about this track is that it, it has some electronic and keyboard effects that you would more uh, stereotypically associate with one of his records because he writes a lot of his songs on keyboard. And the New Pornographers do a lot of electronic uh, bits around the margins of their songs. And this this just was a, was a track that that kind of stuck out at me because it was a sonic palette that she doesn't usually delve into, mm-hmm. and I really felt like her use of collaborators on this record was just so on point. Like the Mark Lanigan, the Eric Bachman, we're going to talk about later. Yeah. Like she just does so well finding the strengths of her collaborators and complementing them with her own singing and songwriting. And this was one of my picks for the record. Well, let's hear a little bit of Gumball Blue. push through 
right. now that's that's a that's a very specific sound i expect from a new pornographer's record not yeah. necessarily from a nico solo record but but that little bit where she drops off and you hear her voice like it's from a bad telephone connection yeah that's that's great so um so we're talking about collaborators so what really she she has built a career with this this great crew of uh artistic and personal collaborators so I didn't particularly like the record she did with Katie Lang and Laura Veers. I didn't think it was all that interesting. But yeah, I, I think I think I'm with you on that. I think it, I mean it's when you have people that um, talented. Uh, Katie Lang is one of my favorites mm. of all time because she's just she's a badass. But yeah, sometimes it drains a little of the personality out of it. Well, I think it was a, it was a you know well intended approach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think each of them was really good in, in her own right. I just didn't think it was a great collaborative record, but this is really wonderful how she's managed to find things that connect her to her different, um, uh, musical and personal experiences. Like she's working with collaborators that she's been working with for decades on this record. And then new folks that she hadn't worked with in the past, in the past, like Bjorn, um, I'm going to get the name wrong, aren't I? Or, or, uh, yeah. Just say Bjorn. Yitling. <laughs> Just, Yitling. Yitling. Uh, and, and so you, you hear little, little throwbacks, little, little callbacks to, to things that she's done in the past. And, and on um, Gumball Blue, what I heard were little bits that re- reminded me of Carl Newman and New mm-hmm. Pornographer's records in, in, in the best ways. You're, you're not a huge New Pornographer's well, well, fan. Well, to, to, to the point about you know saying she was concerned that her partner – and her pets, like, so her people mm-hmm. were okay. You yeah. know, she considers these, your bandmates, like... Her family. Her, your family. Yeah. And um, that adds a layer of just emotional deepness to this record that it's hard to say, like, it's never been on her records before because she's collaborated with all these people, mm-hmm. right? But this is, there's something very, a little more sweet about this. Because you know they, she let this go so far in the new pornographer's direction, and it was just like, hey, we're just guys, we're just making a record, mm-hmm. um, and we're gonna see how it comes out. It's less Nico Case. It's it's like a little off brand, if that makes sense. <laughs> I don't know if I am making sense, but it it just feels it feels more uh, leaving more room. For other people? It, well, I mean, for example, uh, Sleep All Summer, I mean, yeah. that opens up with Eric Bachman singing, not her singing. Which is something so, that's never happened on And I don't think that's happened before. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. So, And and, and Eric Bachman of Archers of Loaf, but he also... Crooked uh, Cro- Fingers. Crooked Fingers. Yeah. Um, he has been in her touring band. Yeah. For for a good minute. Let's let's play a little bit of that and, uh, and then I come back. Because this is... Uh, it was my favorite song before. I mean, I love Eric Bachman's version, but uh-huh. this is... This is something else. Weary sun, sleep tonight. Go crashing into the ocean. Couple amatize the tide and moon. Ancient and blue.
That is, uh, besides being gorgeous, that is uh, one of Casey's. She's on record as saying it's one of her favorite songs. Oh, yeah. That she, uh, the first time she heard it, she had to pull over and start weeping. Uh, you know, and, and Eric Bachman has that about his music. He is, um, especially the Crooked Fingers stuff, hmm. is so remarkably poignant and spot on. Um, emotionally, it's, he, he can like crush you with just like a turn of a phrase, and huh. that they're doing this song now. Now we were talking off mic. That chorus, though, is part of some. There, it's it's taken, and it's. I think it's meant as homage to this classic song that neither of us can fucking figure <laughs> out. So if anybody listening knows what that is, uh, please let us know because it, it, it's stuff like that. I think that elevates people from good songwriters to great songwriters and being able to form it like that because all of a sudden it recalls a past that you have a history with. Um, never mind the lyrics, you know, you know, oh, why man. won't you fall back in love with me? Like, come on. Yeah. Dude. Oh man. So I'm not as knowledgeable about um, Eric Bachman's work as I really should be. Like I remember when Archer's Lope mm-hmm. were, were a thing and it wasn't my jam, but Crooked Fingers, I think I should really like more than I, I do. I don't know them as well as I oh, ought wow. to. And and I was just blown away by that song. And I've heard him before doing uh, covers and uh, duets. He has a cover of a Springsteen song that was on a tribute record under yeah. Crooked Fingers, which is really good. And I'm I'm like, wow, I should go back and listen to Eric Bachman because that is that is a song and a half. Uh, he he is one of our generation's greatest songwriters, bar none. And it, it was thrilling um, when it was announced. I think he started working with her. On uh, Middle Cyclone, mm-hmm. maybe that's right. It he's toured mu- with a couple of records. Yeah, he's been on a couple of records, um, and she has this core crew of people. Uh, but and then seeing him out on tour with her was just like it, it, was, it was thrilling because you know she surrounded herself with people who are the best at what they do. Like Kelly Hogan is the best at what she does. <laughs> Uh, now adding Nora O'Connor into the mix on this stuff. Uh, whether or not I care for the new pornographers or not, uh, <laughs> AC Newman is the best at what he does. You know, these, these people, these people don't fuck around and they're, they're building this sort of new catalog, uh, and new way of thinking about popular music that, um, uh, I think now there's been like a pole shift, whereas like new pornographers maybe was leading that and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this, this clearly puts Nico Case at the head of this. And I think that's intentional. Yeah, I, and I think that she's had the recognition and the acclaim from her fellow musicians for a long time. I mean, she's been admired and beloved for a long time among musicians. and But I think her her visibility, her uh, her commercial appeal has actually increased in the last couple of years with... with I think it's partly that her her persona is so on point for the times. I mean, if you watch her on... In concert, if you follow her on social media, she kind of burns with this white-hot fire on her issues and her causes mm-hmm. and her artistic and personal beliefs. And, and she's really the kind of musician, the kind of artist that is resonant at a time like this. And not just for the politics and the, and the sort of the personal values, um, but just because she has this idiosyncratic, highly personal vision and she's unabashed about her as a creator of music and and at a time when a lot of musicians are are kind of putting the songs that are put in front of them in their own voices she has this very highly personal vision that has emerged over the course of these now seven solo records and there's no one else that's doing that kind of stuff not at this level there i mean there's certainly people that are, are sharing this personal vision i mean i think um it's almost kind of what you're talking about is the difference between commerce and true art. And we're in a time when we need, uh, we need humans, right? You know, we just talked to Phil Cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we need humans. We don't need, we don't need any more fucking Kanye West. <laughs> uh, you know, we don't need crass commerce at whatever cost by whatever means necessary. We need human. She even says, um, you know, talking about a lot of these songs, we need stories from all sectors, Stories without endings, with multiple endings, stories that don't end happily, cautionary tales, everything. And this is this is the money quote. We don't need Disneyfied stories anymore. <laughs> I would say, you know, we can't afford Disneyfied stories anymore. Not yeah. not not in the short term. I think anything that an artist, uh, I mean, this is this is more than 
politics in art. Anything that an artist is putting out has to connect you to your humanity. Yeah. And not the other shit that's wrecking us. And and in everything Nico Case does, whether it's as a collaborator or as a lead writer and, and performer, she just exudes this fire like this is her truth. Mm-hmm. And and whether it's something kind of abstract or something very, very direct and personal like Curse of the I-5 Corridor, where it's very clearly her life, you know, she just carries this sense of of, of truth to her own vision. You know, she's been... She's been loyal to her own artistic vision. That's sort of her whole life, her whole persona. Yeah. She's never been just the singer in the band. Yeah. And she's where she is now, in part, mostly because of hard work, but in part because of luck. And I think, I think she actually recognized that. And that's, that's sort of my point about being human. It, it's, it's a brave thing to do for any artist, for any person, period. To, uh, to you know, to quote the phrase, to stand in their truth. <laughs> It's called integrity. I mean, but you know, you'd be shocked how many people don't have it, and when, and how many compromises all of us make every day for the sake of what? I don't know. Another day's paycheck. <laughs> right, right. You know, it can be something as simple as that. You know, um, but but this is her. Uh, I think using um, her point of privilege that she's achieved uh, to lay out at least an example of mm-hmm. like, hey, you can actually do this. Yeah. And and, and I want to tell one quick Nico Kate mm-hmm. story. So I lived in Oregon in uh, the early 2000s, and she's not from Oregon. In fact, oddly enough, she's not from the Pacific Northwest. Although it's Alexandria. O- she's from Virginia. That's the, her first record was called The Virginian for that reason. So she's from, she's from Virginia, but she's very closely identified with the Pacific Northwest. And so... When I lived in Portland in uh, 2001, 2000, you know, whatever, the chunk of years, I saw Nico Case a boatload of times. I saw her probably three or four times at little clubs like Dante's, uh, you know, she, you know, these are rock clubs. So she was basically doing a sort of a alt country music at that point. So I was post Virginian yep. blacklisted era. Yep. And I also saw her doing some shows at the Oregon Zoo in Portland. And the story that I want to say is, so... Portland's the Oregon Zoo had a beloved elephant named Packy, Packy the Pachyderm. Yeah, okay. And as a girl in uh, in Tacoma, when she was living there as a, as a as an adolescent in Tacoma, she participated in a um, a contest where people who loved the Oregon Zoo could write letters uh, about Packy. And when I saw her at the Oregon Zoo, she was telling the story about Packy the Pachyderm. And how she, as a girl, had had fallen in love with these elephants, and she was always deeply concerned about animals in captivity. And she was telling this fascinatingly personal story about zoos and her conflicted story about zoos. And she's performing at the Oregon Zoo, which has a concert series. Right, right. And that's one of the stories I always remember about Nico Case, that uh, she was always deeply feeling connected with the living things around her, the people, yeah. the animals, et, et cetera. And she was so uh, enamored that she had written a letter about Packy the Pachyderm and, <laughs> and her desire that this elephant have a good life at the zoo because she was concerned, you know, that she didn't, she didn't know that if animals could live a happy life at the zoo. And she was singing this, if, these songs at the Oregon Zoo in, uh, in concert in Portland, which is if you, one if of my you, favorite if stories. You see, and if you follow her on Twitter, you know yeah. it's like she is, she is a huge animal rights activist. Yep. She fosters animals. She her animals. her Twitter uh, feed is full of her lying am, around with I, animals. I am Team Nico on this. Uh, <laughs> Samuel, who is sleeping in the chair right now, uh, and I, you know, they are they are uh, I think more than companions. I think you got to take care of them. But uh, but yeah, she's uh, fucking amazing uh, on that front and uh, on all fronts, really. Come yeah. on. Well, I mean, she she's done whole records where the theme. The art, et cetera, was on natural life, animals, and mm-hmm. how we mistreat them, and animals, how how they could avenge themselves. She did the the tigers have spoken, yeah, one of her live records, yeah. and uh, I don't know if we're playing it, but last line of Albion is really about how we destroy wildlife in in our pursuit for development and economic gain, and then we adopt wildlife as symbolism for the things that we admire in ourselves that we wish we had. So. Yep. You know, we don't have any lions left in most of the world, but we've adopted lions as a symbol of bravery and courage and mm-hmm. tenacity. So we've killed off the animal, but we adopt its mascot to embody the qualities we wish we saw in ourselves. 
and that's a that's a very Nico case thing to write a song about. Yeah, and it's it, it's a very problematic uh, human trait. <laughs> it is, and she's she's called us this, out this on it a bunch of times. This could very quickly dip into Star Trek Four territory. Oh, like, that's okay. Wells, um, yeah, but uh, but uh, end of the day, look, this uh, this album is is I, I think it's. It's her strongest work. It is maybe even her most difficult work, but that's okay. I think just you you have to sit down with it, dig in, and really um, find yourself in it. And and if you do, which I think, especially if you're listening to this podcast, you will be able to. Uh, you'll uh, you'll find out a lot, you know, a lot of truths. They're in there, just about all of us, and and that's uh, that's always a sign of a remarkable work. Yep, it's, yeah. it's a fantastic record, and she's amazing as a performer, a live performer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's going to be here in Washington D.C. Uh, opening for Ray Lamontagne. She's yeah. opening for Ray Lamontagne, and then she's doing a bunch of other tours with different artists. Sometimes she's the headliner, sometimes she's the um, opener, and um, she's wonderful in concert. I mean, she's. I am still waiting for the uh, Nico Case Beauty Pill tour. Ah. Which that's that's uh, you know that make it happen. happen. <laughs> that should happen, Chad. Come on, man. Um, well, thanks for hanging out, dude. And uh, this, yeah, this album is this, uh, just yeah, just go out and get this. And, uh, yeah, I'll be back in a few minutes. Cool. Nico Case's Hell On is available everywhere you can buy fine, fine music. I actually um, picked up my copy on vinyl the other day. It sounds fantastic. Um, I know on Twitter she said something about wishing that um, stuff, people could hear the stuff as it was meant to be heard on vinyl, like the Masters rather than MP3, and and I uh, I wholeheartedly endorse that. If you have the means to do something like that... Um, then, then please do so. This record sounds phenomenal, and uh, Nico and her entire crew, uh, congratulations on that. You guys, you guys fucking slayed it. Um, speaking of slaying it, our friends Kingsley Flood are back now. Nassim Curry, uh, he's actually one of our first interviews. This is our only video interview, I think, way, way back in the day. Uh, known him for a good bit. You've heard him on here talking um, with Sam McCormley from uh, Fellow Creatures. Uh, just hanging out, uh, but you know he's a busy dude. He's out there uh, along with his his wife. You may have seen in the in the little Obama movie uh, and uh, saving the world. And then I get a little kid, so he's a busy guy. But sometime somehow uh, in all this busyness, he found a um, found a chance sometime to record a new album with his friends in Kingsley Flood, uh, which for my money are one of the better bands of uh, of this decade, man. They're just they're just fucking wrong. Every show is is a, is a new adventure. But but anyways, the name of the album is called Neighbors and Strangers. Um, name of the track we're gonna play is Find Me Out. But but I wanna, there's a quote uh, that he gave me from this that I want to read to you guys. Uh, and this is straight from the scene. He says, "Unlike previous albums, it's short and tight. Our most cohesive storytelling yet. And it's also our most like previous albums. You could say it's political. But I wanted to t- tell the stories of people on both sides of a border, being the son of immigrants." Uh, all I can think about these days is how we view others and what we, and what we even mean. So here are the stories of others acting on their patriotism, locals acting on their fears, and the thin line between neighbors and strangers. Uh, goes on to say that uh, I think it is our best work so far, and uh, Nassim, I would agree. Uh, here is the, uh, the single from that album, Find Me Out. Yeah. 
Find Me Out from Kingsley Flood. Uh, that song, that album is the jam. It is available now. I looked up. It does come out 6-6. Six, six. Uh, so this is 6-8. Uh, I believe that you are listening to this. Or 6-7. I don't know. It's one of those. I don't know when you're listening to this, man. Shit, I can't dictate that. It's on the man. Uh, but at any rate, uh, it's an amazing album. They are, if you, you're in for a treat. So this weekend, if you are in D.C. or anywhere near D.C., uh, come hang out with us uh, at not one, but two shows. On Friday, uh, Phil Cook is going to be back up in the air. He's going to be playing at Songbird. You should get tickets to that show. You should go to that show. We will all be at that show. It is going to be amazing. Uh, and especially, like, if you heard the album, you know. But just trust us if you haven't. And certainly go back and listen to that episode. Their chat with them, uh, with him, Eduardo, and myself. Because that's also amazing. But the very next night, down at the wharf at, at Pearl Street Warehouse, Kingsley Flood is doing their CD release show, and um, I've seen them in a lot of venues. Uh, this is going to be rad, because Pearl Street Warehouse is, is a kind of... It's a rad little... It's a small it's a small room, so it's pretty intimate, but it opens out into this... Al- it's just... It's fucking cool. This album kicks ass. The lineup of Kingsley Flood kicks ass. It's just going to kick ass all around. So it's going to be a great weekend, is what I'm saying, folks. So, um, you know, if you're around, hit us up find us we'll drink a beer and we'll, we'll rock out to some great ass music um that is it we are out of here uh for this episode of chunky lives of the podcast if you like what you heard please subscribe to us in itunes leave us a rating or a message there also you can listen to us on google play mixcloud stitcher and spotify where you can listen to any album we review and then find us so if you search for the album and then go down to the podcast thing once you found the album uh, you'll see us generally because uh, we do a lot of fucking these guys, a lot of them. Uh, coming up in the next few weeks, we are going to have. Um, we're going to have. Uh, Kaja Bonet has a new album coming out. Mr. Marcus Moore is joining me to talk about that. Um, and then we've got a couple interviews that I, I, I don't want to spoil them before we get in the can, but um, one of them is, is going to be Joaquin Cooter. If everything works out, um, Ry Cooter's album, you know about that. 
And uh, so I'm going to be sitting down with his son out at the Birchmere here, I think coming up uh, next week, so you can hear that in a few weeks. And um, we haven't talked about it yet, but uh, uh, I'll just say Laurie McKenna has a new album coming out. How about that? I'm going to leave it at that. And I think you know how we feel about Laurie McKenna. So so that's all, that's all coming up uh, before our quick break in July. And uh, yeah. So hopefully see you out this weekend uh, if you're in D.C. Uh, and in the meantime, be good to yours, but be better to your people. Talk to you soon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi!